Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Last week, I had a little bit of a rant in the beginning of the podcast, and I got a lot of feedback on it, but a lot of people really appreciated the rant that I put out there because a lot of people have been dealing with the same things over and over again from some of the people in our VW scene. And I think the next rant that I may go down is about people posting stuff for sale and the value of what it's worth versus what you're stating it's worth versus how long it's on the market, all those types of things. There's a lot of that stuff, and I may, um, I, I know I've been promising to do a roundtable here, and I got to get George in here to do another roundtable because I definitely have some subject matter we need to go over and get the difference of opinions that George and I have on certain things. But uh, I'll definitely be putting some more input like that out there. But I did want to mention some one things. My guy George Kloppenberg picked up a hat for me a little bit back. I had a hat made for him as a small, medium flex fit. I went and got it made, and then I don't know what happened to it. It disappeared, so I had to go get another one made. But due to the fact that he's been waiting a few weeks for this hat, I went. I, I had another hat made, and I sent him a trucker hat as well. So I sent him two hats just to make up for the time that I lost, but I was in constant communication with him, let him know. I didn't forget about him and I had his hat coming. So even the best of us guys at times, uh, you know, it, it might take a little longer something to drag out, but there's never a reason for anyone not to communicate with you. And that's kind of the struggle that a lot of us have been dealing with. Uh, I digress. We're not going to get into that right now. What we are going to do, you know, what I was doing with my hats. So I, I, I work with a company called you logo up and I just started working with these guys again. And they have a website called you logo up.com. The letter you logo up. If you got a car club, if you've got, if you want some custom hats made, whatever you need to do the cool part about this website is you go right to this website, which is you letter you logo up.com. And you can load up, you know, pick your t-shirts, your jackets, whatever, load up your image and get a quote for the work that you want done, whether it's embroidery, press or um, some vinyl transfers, things like that. They can do all that kind of stuff. So it's pretty cool. Um, they're locally here in Vegas and I work with them quite a bit to get some of my embroidery done for my hats. And they were uh, fortunate enough to help me out with some stuff. So I said, you know what, man, you guys got a good thing with that website. Let me shoot you a plug on the podcast. So if you guys out there are looking to get club shirts made or uh, any of that type of stuff, hats embroidered, you know, whatever it is you're looking to do, you can go on their website. It doesn't cost anything. Go on the website, fill in an order, put in a quantity upload your design, you design it, you pick your fabrics, your shirts, your jackets, whatever, put it all together, send it in there, and you guys can do that. So if you want to be cool like Bill T and get yourself some embroidered hats, you can do that. And you can't take my logo and put it in there because they'll know it, they'll bust you. If your car club or whatever wants to get some hats embroidered or jackets, even I mean, anything from like Dickie's work shirts to whatever, they've got a great embroidery set up over there so they can jam out a bunch of stuff. So that's my friends over there at ulogoup.com and uh, search them out on Instagram. They, sh they have a video of, of the hats they're doing for us and some stuff like that. So cool to support those guys. And I always look to support local businesses. But I did want to let you guys know one thing. El Gato the bus is sold. Uh, I wanted to get a video out there of getting the motor fired up. But there's a car show last week in Boulder City. There was a guy out there at the car show stopped by. And he said, uh, we somehow got talking. They saw the video. They listened to the podcast. And he says, man, I really dig everything you're doing. He says, what's up with that bus that you have? I said, well, it's, it's going to be for sale. But I want to sell it to somebody who's looking to build a bus, not flip it. Because I'm selling it at a reasonable price. He said, well, I would really like to come by after the car show and take a look at it. And, this, and they're out of Kingman, Arizona. And so he came up here and looked at it for his friend to buy his friend said nah that's a little too much project for me so he turns around and says oh man i love that thing i couldn't sleep all night i want it for me so he ends up working on a deal and he's coming to pick it up this saturday so i'm not going to get a, a video of that thing running because i just don't have time to work on it before or try to get it running before he picks it up but he's kind of buying it as is um, i'm stoked to see it get back on the road man because that's what they're for they're they're there to purchase and get put back on the road with the right drivers, you know, and I'm, I'm stoked for this one to go down. Also be on the lookout for a video that I did this week. Today, I shot a video that I'll put up on YouTube probably in the next day or two. But at the SEMA show, I saw Dr. Color Chip out there. So I went by there and you know, the road dog, the old uh, carbon cab who's seen thousands of miles on the highway. She's got some rock chips up in the front nose and they had a little product, little booth set up out there showing how to take care of paint chips and stuff like that. It's pretty trick and it's a pretty fast process. It takes about 15 minutes and they've got a patented product with a special spray that goes on it and all kind of stuff. But the cool part, right? Anybody can go get some duplicolor or whatever. But the cool part with this is you can go to their website and you can order the factory paint color and code for your Volkswagen. And it just takes a few minutes to do the little touch-ups and the chips. Uh, I got a little video that I did it. Uh, most of them came out pretty good with the first shot. I'll do a little second touch-up on it, but it worked actually really good. And I was pretty impressed with the product. So I'll probably get the guys from 
color chip on here, you know, do a little interview with them, find out about, you know, their, their, their specialty and what they do. Because I know a lot of you guys out there have original paint cars and you like to keep them dialed in. And if you can get these things, you know, touch up some of the chips and things like that where they look good. I mean, let's be honest, there's a chip there and you may be able to, I mean, once you know it's there, you can, you can stare at it and find it. But for the most part, once you touch these things up and take care of with their stuff they got, it's pretty, uh, it's not visible from a standing distance away. You know, you get all up on it and stare at it. But with with the crew cab, for example, my plan is, you know, once I get all the chips and stuff touched up, I'm going to go to my buddy shop and have the front nose wrapped with like a paint protection film. So definitely important to get that stuff on the front of a bus, especially if you're going to put miles on it because those rocks, you're hitting the front of that bus, which is pretty much vertical, and it puts a deep, deep chip in those things as I was finding out today. But I'm stoked. Uh, the, the crew cab's looking good. I've uh, been working with my buddy Kenny Fitzer. Kenny Fitzer Designs talking to him about, about taking the bull run bus down and having him spray the roof and trying I was trying to coordinate it with his upholstery guy. Um, haven't hammered out all the details yet, but I also started making some inroads and talking to my guy uh, Nick in in England. He's a he's a buddy of my boy Andy up there in England, and he does Nick's air interiors air interiors I think it's called. And he just has, I mean, unbelievable interiors in these buses. And so uh, the Bull Run bus is now being changed to the Let's Talk Dubs broadcast bus. And I'm super stoked and want to get the interior done to where it can be, I can easily interview myself, two other people, and it's not cramped and it's comfortable and it looks cool. So I was talking to him back and forth a little bit over WhatsApp because he's up in the UK, but there's lots of things happening with that. Um, other than that, I'm just trying to think what else is going on project-wise. Oh, picked up, you guys saw that I picked up the Roadster Gia and uh, the Roadster Gia I've had on the radar for quite a while. And it's not a Roadster. It's actually a coupe that somebody cut the top off of a restoration project that this guy bought the car. The paperwork that I had was from 1980. And his intention was, I don't know what his intention was, to strip it down, lose all the parts. I don't know, because mission accomplished, right? So I picked that thing up and uh, passed it on to a friend that needs a lot of body panels. So it's definitely going to be if not repurposed can be put completely back on the road but nonetheless uh, that thing's uh it's destined for greatness so that's the thing guys get them buy them and get them back on the road man that's what uh that's what we deserve because when the uh, zombie apocalypse comes or the electromagnetic um rainstorms uh the v-dubs that keep running dude i don't care what you say you want you might want to argue with me about uh coils and all this kind of stuff, but it don't matter. It'll still run. So uh, other than that, man, I think we're getting ready to get in this podcast. This week's podcast is Brett Matney. And Brett, I met up in um, at the Fast Four Cartel races at the Blitz on the Beach. Great dude. He's got a drag rail. He's out of Oregon, and he's been racing for quite a few years. Um, he's been in the VW game for 30-plus years up there out of uh, – out of Oregon. I don't know exactly where in Oregon he's from, but he's uh, he's definitely made a name for himself in drag racing. He's been racing for years and years. He's got the, uh, Brett Matney racing, the drag rail that you've probably seen. He's got some drag bugs. He's got a, quite a repertoire of VWs out there. He's been in the game a long time, like I said. And so we get into how he got in the game, obviously, and then some of the tricks, tips he does when he's building some of these race motors, some of the things that he reuses that he says, no need to get a new one. You can just reuse it doing X, Y, and Z. So it's a great interview. He's a good dude. Uh, lots of lots of VW history, man. So if you see Brett at any of the drag races up near, whether you're at a Fast 4 event or you're at Sack Buggin or you're up there in Portland, uh, say what's up to him and let him know you heard him on Let's Talk Dubs. Uh, he's, it's a great podcast. He's got a lot of history in the VW scene, and that's what the podcast is all about, is, is recognizing people that have been around for a while and that are contributing something to the game. So without any further ado, guys, let's get into it this week with Brett Matney, drag racer extraordinaire on Let's Talk Dubs. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen Okay, everybody. So on today's show, um, I'm here at the Fast Four Cartel 
again, grabbing a bunch of interviews. There's all kinds of cars here today. There's there's pro mods, super streets, super gas, all kinds of stuff. And there was a couple dragsters, a couple rails that were on display today. One of them was uh, Steve Phillips' dragster, and the other one that's out here is Brett Matney Racing's uh, alcohol turbo dragster that was running in the uh, the four-cylinder A-fuel class back in the day. Brett, welcome to the show. So you've been in the VW scene for quite a while, and the way that we typically start this podcast is what's your VW story, and how did you get into Volkswagens? Well, my family has always had them, uh, buying them new. Uh, my grandparents, uh, well, my grandfather buy a new one every two years. Really? So go trade them in, buy a new one. Uh, I'm old enough that I can remember the dealership still having them for sale, but the year I graduated from high school was so the last year they sold new cars in my town. Uh, that was 1978. Uh, but and anyway, what, ta- what town is this? That would be uh, Vancouver, Washington. I actually live in Ridgefield, grew up in Ridgefield. Uh, started out not knowing anything about VWs and, and really went into the mechanics of them uh, in my lifetime. Uh, have been probably at one time the premier machine shop in that area. Oh, you own a machine shop? Oh, yeah. yeah still, I still have everything. Uh, I don't look for work for people, but... Uh, I, I'm in another business that makes pretty good living. What I do, I do for free. Yeah. Uh, and we do quite a bit of it. it. It's primarily all racing. I I do almost no stock rebuild. I, I haven't in years. When we were the machine shop in the back, Avery's VW, me and my oldest son, uh, we, we started doing a lot of stock stuff up there. But I hadn't done a stock one in years. Then. Uh, so we we do all performance. Now, how did you get into doing that? How did what what what's your you bought your first car? Like what what put I, you I, down the road? My first bug was in 1959. Uh, again, I'm old enough. I'm 62 years old. There were no Baja kits when I started. Right. It was just a raised bug with a 36 horse motor in it and cup fenders and mud tires, and, and I had a pretty good time with that. Well, I I, I ended up when I could drive, I I put a. Uh, uh, V8 motor in a little 62 Chevy yeah. narrow box, and I had a cousin that had a 65 Baja bug. We'd go race down at what Lower River Road they called it, our area where where literally street racing was done quite a bit. Uh-huh. Well, anyway, I, I had Muncie four speeds in this little pickup where they kept breaking. My cousin was more successful with a bug, and I kept watching that. Well, finally, I wanted to make a dune buggy, and he was working it what was locally at that time the best Volkswagen shop in the area. Yeah. So so we rebuilt a 1650 for my little dune buggy. He helped me with that, and I just started going farther and farther into it over my lifetime. Now, what brought you to do, to go into, so your business was machining? Yes. And, and rebuilding it, engines. I do engines, transmissions, and machine work. Mostly Volkswagens? All Volkswagens. And who, how did you get into doing the engine work? I, I met a guy named Ken Welter. Uh, he's, he's in our area, probably the king of Subarus right now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, in fact, he tried calling me into going to Subarus, and I go, I, I'm Volkswagen, I'm not changing. Right. But, uh, uh, anyway, I met him early on, and, and you know, I, I'm from an area where, where, you know, when I grew up, my grandfather would butch my hair off, and pr- pretty hick, you know, country people. Okay? Right, right. Kenny was a long-haired, hippie guy, and, and I, I learned the hard way that, he was a stand-up guy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think an awful lot of Kenny. He taught me how to do the Volkswagen machine work. Uh, again, what? his name's Ken Welter. The first person I ever seen turbocharge uh, Volkswagen. Matter of fact, I own the car he turbocharged. Pure coincidence. What, a, year, what year was this? That car is a 54. Uh, I have that. It, it's orange and it's flame. And what year was this that you saw him turbo this car? Oh, man. That... Uh, that was before I was racing, so that would be before '81. Even, yeah, uh, I was probably just out of high school, maybe '79. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, I would guess about 1979. Now, <clears throat> so you start getting into machine work in Vancouver, Washington. The VW scene is strong up there, like a lot of well, lot of work. Was a lot of them. Yeah, you don't see them on the street anymore, but like the cruisings and stuff is still quite big. Everybody pulls them yeah, out. Now, yeah. what do you have? Now you've got this dragster. What else do you have in your collection? I've got the 54 I just mentioned when I, when Kenny was driving it, uh, getting Rick Irwin owned it. Uh, anyway, I, I bought it years later. 
I've got a 65 uh, uh, a pro turbo car, a chassis car, uh, runs heavy class here. Uh, I also have a, a 54 runs the light class, a six inch tire turbo down gas. Right. Uh, we've got a 68 that my wife drives. It's got a 1914 in it, so it's 48s on it. So the wife races too. Yeah. So you're all, all my family. <laughs> we all race. So now, when you get into doing racing, and and Ken, it's Ken Welter. Yeah. Ken Welter takes you in and kind of gives you, shows you the ropes. I mean, rebuilding stuff and being a machinist is really two different temperaments. Not really. To like, a lot. To I, to like, I, there's guys that assemble engines. Yeah. And no. then there's guys that have a machinist mentality. And and and, and I I got into fixing stuff that other people could fix. Right. Uh, and, and I still that day or this day do that. What type I, of I stuff? I run a trucking company and, and I buy and fix trucks, okay? And, right. And work semi trucks uh, for, for a, a scrap metal outfit in our area. I don't gather scrap, but I haul their scrap to the port and sure. yard to yard, things like that. But, uh, but the machining aspect, what's the first thing? How do you start learning, going down the road learning machining? Uh, Ken Welter. Uh, again, he had an old Bridgeport uh, mill there. And, uh, well, first we started doing line bores. He had a port tool line bore bar. And that's the drill attachment line bore bar? This is, yeah, yeah. I have three of them right now. And now you're, you know, in your history of line boring, you know, there's, there's, there's also the talk from back, you know, Gene Berg would say, why would you line bore a case just? Throw it out, get another one. What's your thought on that? I ran a 505 on a line bore bar case in the eighth mile. Yeah. If, if the bearing crush is correct, I'm not too worried about it. Right, right. <laughs> so what's the kind of the biggest mistake people make building engines, do you think? Uh, checking clearances. So uh, so that, there's not enough of that in engine builders. Most guys buy bearings, slap them in, put them on. Also, right now, we're having a problem with quality of bearings. And the aluminum bearings do not work in our performance stuff. Uh, the the post motor, uh, the the force striking on the bearings collapse them, where the steel back bearings work much better. And why is there? I mean, with with the VW industry as big as this, why is there such a difficult time getting steel back bearings? Uh, well, Silverline is making that stuff, but but well, like Brian Marvin here had a motor of his over at the place, and and. Uh, had a problem with it, uh, and, and we, we put one of the bearings in the, a lathe. It didn't even run symmetrical to the outside to the ID, really? and it's a steel back bearing. I, it, it's just the quality is not good, and even silver line, and, and I would consider that the best now. I, I don't know why Colvin Smith give up on making their bearing. In my opinion, it was the top of the line because the middle main was full circle oiling. Now, I have a trick I do on that now that we, we take the the older style metal eave, and we drill holes around it. We, we, we go square to the holes in it, drill, and, and, and give it more squirt per revolution to lubricate the rod bearings. Uh, it, it works very well to turn high RPMs. The, the, the available forge cranks now are pretty much Chinese. Well, they, they, they drill the oil holes in the crankshaft the wrong way to centrifugal force to get the oil So out the, the opposite of actually starve oil. Absolutely. At, at over 8,000 RPM, they will not hold rod bearings. Uh, this trick helps quite a little bit. It gives it more squirts and it's still under pressure, much like the scat cranks with the full circle. Right. Now, you started out, you told me you started out at Sand Dragon. Yeah. And what type of setup were you running Sand Dragon back in the day? I, I had, uh, they called it a modified buggy. Mm -hmm. Okay. It, it was actually, uh, the car weighed 553 pounds. It was 734 with me in it, and full had to be that. Heavy. And we would run right down to the weight break, which was 50 pounds. I, I set two records in, in Mission, British Columbia, that car. Really? Uh, 1987. What records for time in sand drags? E 18 mile per hour, both. And, and I took the lower two of, of what I set. I thought the next month, <clears throat> the records again. Didn't know that foul springs were. I couldn't run the record again. <laughs> the record you said, you remember the, the time the record was? And uh, in sand drag, it's 1,000 feet? No, one, 100 uh, yards. 100 300 yards. feet. 300 feet. Yeah. And uh, I, I believe it was 87 miles an hour. And, and I'm, I'm trying to think. Uh, I, I think it was a 401 and 100 yards with a 112 cubic inch motor, which is 1835. 
Now, that kind of lit your fire to go racing, running the sand drag cars and all that I, kind of I, stuff? I traveled all over doing that as far as Indio, uh, California. Really? Yeah, uh, up and down the West Coast. Marysville, California was a real fast track. Uh, Hanford, California. We had one in Woodland, Washington. One in Washington, Washington. They had one in uh, Longview. I never ran the Longview track. Uh, I've never run, uh, 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 I can't even think of the name of the other one. But any, anyway, I, I used to sand drag race a lot. And then that kind of started drying up, so I went to the pavement. And I bought a little 67 bug and, and restored it. And uh, it was called the Country Pumpkin. I've seen it once since I sold it. Since you sold it, what year did you sell it? I, you know, when I bought this dragster here, that I just, I'm still currently about 31 years on that one. Uh, I kept the pumpkin a couple years. Uh, and then I had a, a kid named Eric want to buy it. He never drove it. Uh, another friend from the sand named Max bought it from Eric. He ran it a little while, a couple years. Rick Elver who built him a motor for it. Yeah. And uh, it was around for quite a while. And so the country the country pumpkin was your street car. It was your drag it car. Was street, it was, it was streetable a, originally. I would drive it to work. What what was the best time you had in that car? Ran a twelve sixteen. I don't remember the mile per hour. What was the setup in that car? It had a two thousand six CC. In them days Gene Berg really pushed the uh, ninety point five piston cylinders. Yeah. And and I had their ninety point fives. And, and a welded stroker crank and a, a 78 millimeter. And what what did it what was it what were you running for carburation? 48 IDA Weber. What compression? Uh, it it 122 is what I had on it. So you're running race gas? Yes. In them days, uh, trick racing fuel. They don't even make it anymore. Yeah. And now that car you ran and that so you got rid of that car in, in the early 80s sometimes or late early 90s yeah 80 yeah, yeah and you campaigned that car all over the west coast you do all no, the races no, the pumpkin i just ran around the portland vancouver area uh my, my first time of running ever on the pavement was at medford oregon a jackson county sports park and actually i ran a dune buggy there with that same 2006 cc motor really uh, yeah and what'd you run uh an et yeah, I, I don't know that I could tell you. Well, it didn't even have slicks on it. It's too long ago to remember. Yeah, it, it drove really good. It, 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 you know, I actually literally Tuesday that car's selling. I still have it. Yeah, I, I got a guy wanting to buy it. Uh, it it's NHRA legal. This is the, the it, it, it's a tube frame. I know him as a Jim's trailer, short back trailer mm-hmm. or uh, uh, short back uh, uh, frame. I I still have it. My wife bought it for me the first year we were married. Yeah. To date myself, I believe they were $109 back then, the frames. That's funny. <laughs> That's wild. Long time ago. I now, remember I had $1,200 in it with the Webers on it to run it back in them days. Now, what what is it about Volkswagens that just that just got you fired up? About I, I like the fact that I can control almost everything on them to work on. Right. I, I mean, I, I'm kind of weird in that I do the engine training, machine work. I, I, I can't grow cranks and I can't grind cans. Uh, but you do all the everything on trannies? Absolutely. What's easier in your opinion, an engine or a tranny? Trannies are really easy if you follow like Berg's instructions. Uh, Brian Marvin had a lot of tranny trouble. Uh, every man he was changing tranny. And uh, he, he, I, I was at Medford and, and he, he, he was there and already had two, two bad ones. I don't know who did the work, but, but he was there and done and, and I walked over and he said, well, the one was popping out of gear, and I, I asked him some questions about it, and went over, and actually the detent rod on that was hitting the nose cone. We chiseled it out and going, and after that he brought me both trannies. We rebuilt them. He just broke it today, okay? Uh, it, it's been together. I know the first time we had it together was over 50 runs. Wow. Uh, uh, it, he broke a third gear in it. Uh, so when when you when you learned to build trannies, did you learn from from Ken Welter? From Ken Welter, yeah, not not a lot of instruction back then. It was uh, all by because I, I had a buddy of mine, Jim Barbeau, out of Las Vegas. He's still in a place called Desert Racing Performance. Yeah, yeah. And I said, "Well, how do you rebuild the tranny?" He says, "It's all by feel." It it is really in setting up the thrust. Uh, Brian was kind of funny. Uh, he was he was giving me a bad time. He says, "You build trannies like nobody I ever seen." You can repair most of the parts in them instead of buying new. I mean, bearings and synchros. Sure. But as far as the, the thrust surfaces on the gear and for performance, 
we, we take all the thrust shims out of them and, and grind the, the gears and, and machine the hubs to set up the thrust correctly without that. Well, in, in Brian's case, he had, had Weddell gears they'd set up wrong and, and it burnt the thrust. That would normally make it where it's a throwaway part. I remachined it all, put it back together for him, and that's what he's still running. And the main shaft will still be good. I, but, yeah. So you've been a pretty resourceful guy. You don't believe in throwing it away. There's another Absolutely life in that thing not. some I, way, somehow. You, I, you can quote me. I'm on the frugal side of cheap. And, and matter of fact, a lot of the parts I run are, are used parts. Really? Absolutely. You'd have no concern building a drag car to use bars. If it's checked out and, and the fit and, and, and you know everything's in good shape, uh, we, we do all of the valve grinding, seat grinding, uh, absolute all the machine. And every surface is a surface that's a ceiling surface. If I do it, I, I've never had anybody come over there that, that wasn't amazed at, at the difference in how you build a motor. How long does it take you to build a Type 1 motor? Like a drag motor? quite a while because a stroker motor we hand clearance everything i am not set up with a a, a machine to actually cut the clearances i'm surprised that guys resourceful as yourself hasn't built blades that go on a line boring bar and just clearance it automatically you know it, it i don't know if it's rigid enough to do that i have extra ones i could i could do that yeah. i do have a horizontal <laughs> mill at a friend's house i've never brought home that is exactly like bernie bergman used to do it yeah the loppers at vw paradise still do it that way i have the same uh, it just takes up a lot of room, and, and I don't have a lot of room. I've, I've been doing it long enough. Uh, people accuse me of being a hoarder. Yeah. I, I've got a lot of stuff. What's, what, what are the things that you're constantly in pursuit of when you're wandering through a swap meet? Are you a guy always in a swap yeah. meet oh, looking absolutely. for stuff? Yeah, I, I mean, at the biggest events, I'll take time to look through. I, I like anything that's race parts. Uh, you don't see much for big cylinder heads anymore. Uh, now and then you'll see super flows. I'm still running super flows, and 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 I've run a 505 eighth mile on a super flow head. Yeah. Uh, you know what valves? Uh, 4437. That's okay. another thing I, I like a little smaller than I, I've got 4838s, but I don't like them. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, you know, on my podcast a couple podcast a couple episodes ago, I had. Uh, Fred Simpson with Performance Technologies. Do you know Fred? I know of him. So. Fred talked about valve sizes, and sometimes people just put too big a valve size, and it doesn't work with the... It, and it won't flow around the backside, and your, your rocker arms don't fit through the heads. They didn't allow for the pushrod tubes to move out, where you have a problem with pushrods rubbing. I don't care what type of pushrod tubes you put on. Uh, now, have you had any formal training in building engines? Absolutely not. None? None. How many engines do you think you've built? I was a unit repair guy at every big Volkswagen in our area. I worked in the back. At GTAP, I built a 1600, one a day. I didn't have to do any machine work. They had the it most was beautiful all Out of the boxes? Everything was redone. They had thousands of blocks. I, I would do one a day, long block. Uh, yeah. The heads were rebuilt. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you how many I built. And, and I never had one failure, not one. Really? Yeah. I've done a lot of motors. Well, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, that's... Now, uh, I hurt one of my own having a flat ham uh, here the other day ago on the dyno. I, I have a dyno. Uh, anyway, I was playing with that, and uh, the cam went flat, contaminated the rod bearings, and, and I spun a rod bearing. And and I had a 2810. I, 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 I let one of my customers take my, my steel back rod bearings. He replaced them with aluminum. It made it about three holes on the dyno that's it huh? <laughs> i will not run aluminum wow none <laughs> that's crazy so in your in your history of doing volkswagens you had much you, you had much experience with the bergs and gene berg and people like I, that I, I crashed at sears point gene berg put my car in the trailer really the, the same car i'm still running mm-hmm. yeah yeah i rebuilt it. it took me one month to repair it i do everything myself yeah. Okay, uh, re, re, re uh, caged it and everything. Uh, that's actually when I first put the first 2800 in it. I shouldn't have done that at the time because that was a really good run of motor, exactly the same as I'm running now when I uh, crashed at Sears Point. Again, no fault of my own. A slower bug came into my life. Yeah. It's still on video. You can see it on the internet. Uh, at Sears Point, huh? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And then, as far as what's the fastest you've run a quarter mile time in a car? I've been uh, 201 miles an hour in an alcohol dragster. I, I went to Frank Hill School of Driving. Uh, I went through his course uh, in training. I drove a, a aspirated uh, nitro car, which is an alcohol dragster, 
for uh, Bruce Cassidy Manufacturing. I did that for six years. I took a, a break from the Volkswagen stuff, went and did that. Always kept this car. I, I put it in the barn. I've had it a long yeah. time. And how, how fast did you run for that, uh, did you say Bruce Cassidy? Oh, man, I don't know that I recall. Was that a V8 car? Yes, it, it was a Chrysler-based, Chet Bushy, uh, you know, out of San Diego there, does uh, aspirated nitro stuff. And eventually, they, when they went from the wedge to the uh, the dual plug motor, it really ran quite well. You took a break from Volkswagens for a while? O- only me driving. Just yeah, driving? Yeah, yeah my, my kids kept racing. Yeah. So you've had kids racing and everything. You're like a racing VW racing my, family. My, my whole family does it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Both both boys and my wife. Are you, is your family here with you this? Not not this weekend. My wife drives us. She has to be back to work Monday morning. School starts. You're right. So we from where here to home, it takes too long to get home to get her back in time. How far is it from here? Eight and a half hours. After I race all week here, I don't want to drive eight and a half hours. Right. You split yeah. it up in a couple drives. Yeah. Man. Travis, my son, a lot of times would have come with me on this deal here, but we, our family is quite big in the area we're from, and, and they're having a family reunion tomorrow. So, <laughs> And you I, decided to go racing. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be the heathen. Uh, yeah, I'm racing. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Listen, you're, you're, you're where I am. What is probably the biggest, the, the best thing that you've enjoyed in the VW hobby? I really enjoy uh, duning in the sand. It's yeah. quite fun. And, and in the old days, we... We called it drunk dragon hill racing, right? Uh, where you know anything would go, and we just line up at the bottom of the big hills and, and literally drag race and shift going up. But then you have to slow down before you fly off the top. Are these the Oregon dunes? Yes, absolutely. Nice. Uh, had a lot of fun with that. I, I had a twenty two seventy five uh, with a John Parsi turbo kit on it. That little motor is really fast. So you're out here running this car. What did this car run today? Uh, I think I've run a five sixty two. For as good as the air is, that's a little slow. 562, and, and, and what would that equate to in a quarter mile? It, it probably 860. And that car's got two-speed in it, or has it got a, a power glide two-speed, a four nine-inch rear end. And you like those two speeds? Absolutely. For that kind of driving, it's the only way to go. Well, they, they, the turbos like something to pull against, and, and, and it's like a continual acceleration uh, type transmission to load it. It works very well. So if, the, if you do the math and the gear split, like you would on a four-speed, uh, trying to make it where when you're into the gear, you check that it don't go below the, the power curve of your cam. This would never work, but it works great. When I, I first went to it, I was tired of braking transmission. In them days, we all ran swing axles. And, and that was before Weddle and, and FTC and, you know, Urco, all these good out started making gears. Uh, yeah. You start get where you could get gears that were truly tough. Uh, you know, we were just running 378 main shaft. But when you're running this 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 uh, two speed this power glide, you have to rebuild this tranny often or not no, really? No, no, they'll go years. Like bulletproof. Yeah, yeah. Change oil in them, and and they'll go years. My, my motor in my car right now has been running for three years. I just helped the gentleman get licensed. He made nine passes in it, but that motor's been together untouched for three years. It's still leak test five percent. Wow. All four cylinders. It is not total seal rings. Now I'm I'm a weirdo and and I I'll, I'll get some havoc for this. I on on the <laughs> on my piston rings I, I run them upside down and I got kind of a funny story. Yeah. <laughs> the, the second ring on a lot of modern rings is taper face. Okay. Right. On a forced induction engine we're trying to keep the the air up the in the combustion side. Yeah. Yeah. So so I run the taper face up and it leak tests really good. It's supposed to be a scraper ring for the, the oil on the cylinder. To scrape the oil off the cylinder. Yeah, yeah. And you run the taper facing the valves. Exactly, to the keep air in the top uh, end. And it, anyway, it'll leak test 5% on a, it, it, it. It's a, a gapped ring. It's not total seal uh-huh. or, or Z-gap or anything like that. It, it works quite well. Because it's another ring there. It's sealing. Right. It, it works very well. Now, I got a story on that. Yeah. I had an Autocraft 2853 I was running in this same car here. And, and uh, at Portland, I'd set the track record with it at a 491, I believe. Uh, don't, 145, I think, in the eighth mile. 491, 145. Wow. Uh, it's a 1,030-pound car. And anyway, and I used to have a slide rule. You could do the horse card. I think it's like 550 to the ground. Right. I, I never had that at dyno ever. Didn't have a dyno then. Yeah. But anyway, I, I'd run a 486, 145 with it. 
and and Rick here, my friend, that uh, told his dad Dick, which is a very famous Porsche builder, yeah, does does heads and stuff. So now we talked about flipping that top ring, the take second the ring. second ring, and you run it inverted, and you Correct. get less leak down in the Correct. cylinder. Correct. Equaling on a boosted car, you're going to get more boost pressure staying inside the combustion chamber and out the exhaust manifold. Actually, any motor. Yes. A- any motor, but it helps for a boost for for a boosted motor. Yeah. Now you just said something about the the crown of the cylinder or the crown of the piston. What you do to make the top okay. ring sealed oh, up? Gas porting. So, and gas porting is when they drill the perimeter. Correct. About eight holes around the perimeter that go through the top of the piston to the bottom of the the ring first groove. ring groove. Correct. And that creates the combustion pressure, p- forces the ring out. Tight against the cylinder. And mm-hmm. it, it literally, while, while the piston is, is moving so fast, it's fluttering. Okay, and if the piston rocks at all, the rings go out of square. This forces it out tight. It works very well. And where'd you learn that? Uh, it, it, it's any of the... The racing magazine, the piston manufacturers, uh, like like J and E, you can order them with gas in them. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, I hand drill them. And you said noticeable difference that you did for a friend had a twenty three thirty two. Oh, yeah, yeah. My national record old motor was gas ported. We do that before we do valve pockets. I also lay out valve pockets myself. Uh, most VW motors, uh, drag race cams, uh, uh, the piston and the valve are one day to hit the crown of the piston if the heads are milled way down at about 15 degrees. But you can rotate it and check it with light springs to see in timing where the piston is in the stroke, but but most of them are about 15 degrees. Anyway, then we center punch through the guides and we lay out valve pockets also. That has to be done after the gas ports are in because you need a, a flat surface to drill with that small of a bit right. to push. Yeah. <clears throat> What are some What are some of the other things that you've learned over your years of racing that some people say is no go, and you've had nothing but success with it? Uh, heat expansion. Uh, it, it's not as good for leak down, but it, it's common knowledge anymore that they're given a lot more skirt clearance than we used to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, ring in gap is another one. Uh, on the air cooled motors, you have trouble with them scuffing the cylinders. Uh, you can also top in lube. Uh, run lube in your fuel, people will argue that that'll detonate. I so, have not seen it be a problem. So real quick, you're talking almost like a marvelous mystery oiler. No, I, I'm talking literally like clots uh, mix oil for a motorcycle. Really? Put that in your fuel, and, and I mean, you can smell, and you, you, you'll see that they smoke a little bit. It, it don't hurt a thing. Think, think of a motorcycle. They're 10, 11, 12,000 RPM and, and super high compression. It doesn't affect them. When you so when you run an aspirated car or a turbo car, you'll add oil to your fuel. Absolutely. How much oil? What type of oil? How I much? I mix it exactly like they do with the motor. What? Uh, I'm a Bell Ray fan on, on motorcycles. Mm-hmm. It's a synthetic oil. Uh, it, it, I've I've never had a bike seize up on that. To where I run Bell Ray because I keep it around. Now, you so you mix it the same. What's what's the ratio? Twenty to one. I, I it's been long enough ago. I don't recall on on the, the direction. Uh, Bell Ray, the tube goes, uh, it's 12.8 ounces, 5 gallons. Uh, I dumped the whole thing in. I've never had a problem with it. And have you noticed a cooler running temp? No. What? But, but, but the but cylinders doing... don't scuff. Oh, because you've got oil on the top side of the, on, the cylinder. On the skirts is what I'm concerned about. For scuffing the cylinder, then the leak down is going away. Again, my, my current motor I'm running here today, leak test 5%. The motor's three years old. It, it, it's been running a long time. It, it, it just makes it last. And what's the compression of the motor that you have here? This is only 7.2. 7.2, but, but yeah, it's boosted? But, but, but it's way low, but, but you, you got to understand, I had one pass there, 40 pounds of boost. It, yeah. Every 15 pounds or, or 14.8 is an atmosphere. It will double the compression ratio. So 7, 14, 21 to 30. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're 21 to 1 at 30. So you can't start out with big compression and expect it to live much. Right, right. So yeah. you're figuring you'll keep the compression down low on that. Absolutely. Now, where did you make up the compression at? Well, with boost, manifold pressure. No, no, no. But where did you make, where did, because a lot of people will end up, so you're machining the, you're having, you got a lot of okay. CCs in your head. Well, nowadays, uh, unlike the old days, we had to make cylinders long to, to, to 
give deck. Now, right. now also we use thick barrel spacers, but but nowadays like Revmaster sells longer barrels that that we just machine to length. And then and another thing I do that most people don't do is I leave the the barrel insert farther in the block where the skirts are absolutely supported on the stroker motors. I, I, I go in just as far as it can go to clear the crank. Matter of fact, I, I cut a notch with the mill in the bottom of the barrel for the connecting rod bolts of the to clear beam rods. Yeah. So that there's no right. And possibility. then I, I radius all that, and that supports the the, the piston. I, I'm a Wysco piston fan, but but I run a lot of Wyscos. But 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 anyway, it, it works very well. And, and it used to be the old motors with the the beast type length cylinder and, and the piston pin locations. They they were the same length cylinders. Well. When you're stroked out, putting barrel shims on it, the wrist pin would pull out the bottom of the cylinder. Well, then the pistons rocking where they weren't known for lasting real long. Well, now with the long cylinder, it just makes a lot better motor. Yeah. Way more efficient. Now, <clears throat> anything specific you do to the oiling system? Uh, well, like this car, it's dry sump, but but uh, like I told you, on the main bearings themselves and the rod bearings, I, I on the main bearings, I, I physically drill more holes around the outer diameter of the oil groove uh, perpendicular to the bearing on like the side of the bearing no, or are you no, talking about no, in the in center the channel in the middle that carries oil uh, uh smith was the only one that had a groove on the inside ever and and they're not available anymore but and the new ones are just flat it it, it it lubes on the outside and it has two squirt holes on a cross drilled crank they have two holes so that means it has four squirts per revolution well well i'm going to call them the chinese cranks are not that way. They have one squirt hole, so it would get two squirts per revolution. The way I'm doing it, if if, if you're, you're, you're every quarter revolution, it, it's getting a squirt way more often. It, it just lubes at higher RPM and lives better. Yeah, your, your rod bearings hold up much better. Keeps the internal internal components yeah. cool. And you drill that, you got to deburr it all and all that, you know. But but uh, you know a little bit of finesse, but it works very well. It doesn't hurt a thing. So now you're. You said you've got a shop, machine shop, all stuff. You don't really charge for what you do. You do it more for friends. and I, That's all I do anymore. And yeah. pe- and people that you know. Are you seeing, is, is there any people that you've been able to teach to do the stuff that, that you <laughs> it's do? It's funny you say that. I, I actually, just like my own kids, my wife used to get mad at me that, that I would show the kids how to do it and make them do it. I do the same with people there. Uh, I, I show them how to run the milling machines and stuff. And, and it, it, it's like a school. I, I do exactly that. Uh, like like Alan was one of the, the recent ones. Uh, Brian Marvin on transmission. Uh, Kyle here uh, has a motor down there. He's been over there learning how to do it. Uh, there's several. I mean, there's, you know, unless you're into it, really like racing and stuff like that, it just doesn't seem like the young kids are wanting to get into the to the business That's, of that anymore. I, I believe very true. A lot of them aren't, aren't really into repairing stuff. But, Again, my main business now is hauling scrap. Well, all of the, the modern cars you see being wrecked are, are modern, and when they have a bad electrical trouble on like a BMW, you can't afford to have it fixed, so they scrap them. You, you don't see old cars like our Volkswagens ever go through the scrap here. None. Yeah, they keep yeah, them They yeah. keep them around. you have any new stuff? Is there any other things that you've invented or worked on that are really unique to the Volkswagen? Uh, n- not really. Uh, a lot of my tooling is all homemade. All the fly cutters are homemade. My my jig for uh, holding the pistons at nine degrees to do the valve pockets. It, it's literally a ninety degree angle plate with a, a twenty two millimeter pin on it. And and again, I, I I took a pipe plug, tapped in the end of the shaft and a lathe before I welded it all together. Then I sawed it in quarters to where it would it be a collet and expand out. Right. And, and then I got where the the degrees weren't repeating perfectly, so I made a jig that set on, on the mill table and, and comes up and holds the piston at the perfect nine degrees where you slide it up like a square. And, 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 and instead of using a degree wheel, you'd get slight you know, uh, discrepancies. Sure. Well, this way, there's none. It, it does a very beautiful job. Now, on cylinder heads, what's your preferred set of heads that you like to run? We've been running old super flows for years. I'm old enough. I knew Dean Lowry personally. Yeah. Been to his house and stuff. In fact, the, the heads on this car right here have the DDS valve covers and stuff on them with the purple paint in them. But uh, I, I'm running them. I, I like the Autocraft 910 or Component Development has copied them and, and made them better. Uh, I, I believe they're a very good cylinder head. Your favorite combination for an engine? 
I, there, oh, there's no <laughs> there's no substitute for cubic inch. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I that that 2800 was the easiest motor I ever made go fast. But yeah. But you think you know an 1835 to a 2332 is around 500 cc's. Uh, a 2332 or 2386 to a 2800 is 500 again. It's a huge amount in a VW. Yeah, and yeah. that's a full aftermarket motor. That's yeah. autocraft. Yeah. Okay. Even, even this motor here, the only VW in it's the distributor drive gear. It, it, it's nothing VW really. So what's anything new for you coming up on the horizon? We're, we're going to uh, take uh, uh, the tube chassis. I have, I have a 65 uh, with running heavy class here. Uh, I would have probably had it here other day. Asked me to bring the dragster. I, I want to run that at Reading. Uh, I'll have that there, and then another gentleman will be driving this car. And what motor are you going to have in the heavy car? It, uh, if if to run heavy, I got a twenty three eighty six. Again, super flow forty eight thirty eight uh, valve size. Anything special you do to the to the carburetors? <laughs> yeah, my my big motor for that. Yeah, this is a, a draw through turbo system. The twenty eight hundred running in 4x and that i run a 1050 holly on which is quite a bit bigger than most uh, so 1050 over the turbo setup yeah draw through on a draw through setup you've got both aspirated and turbo cars oh yeah which do you like better you know i like the sound of the aspirated but once you felt the turbo power it, it, it's just amazing well, that's awesome, man i mean i appreciate all the stuff that you've done and the and the history that you've had now do you have as, are all your cars just race cars, or do you have any stockers? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I have a street race car, too, but, but I have an original uh, 64 that has never been painted, uh, painted. It has BRMs on it. Uh, I actually have it lent out right now. But You have it lent out? Who yeah. do you lend your car out to? <laughs> I, I go out every morning to a coffee shop, and the little gal had a tire blow on her, her pretty new Mazda car. And uh, anyway, she was taken to a body shop. I, she asked me if she could borrow a car. She knows I got a lot of cars. So I told my wife, and she said, sure. So I, we lent her the little 64. Just loaned it out, huh? Yep, yep. That's pretty nice of you. Yeah. I got a 62 street race car that's, uh, I believe, a 2165. I, I bought it out of an estate that, that you know, a good friend of ours uh, had, and I bought a DACA from him. I got the little, you know, DACA pickup. Yeah. Uh, 87. Uh now, in all your years of racing, who's been your fiercest competitor when you're out racing? Good question. Anybody? 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 <laughs> anybody you used to have some knock down dragouts with? No, we we've been very lucky. I mean, we've been in a real, lot of races. I, I mean, pretty hard to beat in this little dragster. So the bracket racing. I, I I years ago I could say that that I'd never been south that I wasn't winner or runner up, but two times in my life. Okay, I, I've got a lot, a lot of wins, a uh, few runner-ups, but but uh, I, I, I can't say that with any of the, 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 the door cars, but the little dragster has been really, really competitive. Now, the dragster, they don't run that class anymore? They're doing it, but there's no turnout. It, 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 honestly, I hate to say it, it's kind of a rich man's sport to rich, originally get into it where everybody doing it's gray hair. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, you know, it takes pretty good money to build that stuff the first time. And they last pretty good. It, I mean, it does. We, I didn't expect it to live like it does. But on alcohol, we leave them a little rich and, and it suffers a little bit in performance. Uh, like tomorrow, I'm, I'm going to beat on it a little farther than I should. I might hurt it. But, but again, we repair that stuff. Rick here does the head welding and uh, he, he's excellent at it. Uh, magnesium welding he's really good at too, which is really difficult. I definitely appreciate anything else you want to let our 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 listeners know before we wrap it up. Not really, I can think of. I I, mean, I can say, I I just I started out not knowing anything about VWs, and and if you keep after it and and listen, used to be hot VWs was incredible about tech articles. That's one thing I've never said anything to Shen, but I I, I wish they still did. You know. Uh, yeah, back in the day, I mean, they would they would give factory specs on clearances and well, torque. Well, now, now that's something that, that, that there's a, a book from uh, the dealers that without guess yes and, called and, VWs with VW without guesswork. Like in my case, I, I have all the settings for the line bore bars written in the covers of that. I, I grind and well, sharpen, reset line bore bars for other people, but uh, I have the green stones and stuff to sharpen carbide. But any anyway. And the bores for the, 
the cylinder and block sizes. I have that written on it. And in my shop, it's written on the wall behind the mills also. You know, right, so you've got to look yeah, for it. Yeah. Well, I tell you, Brett, I appreciate you coming on and giving us some time to chat with you and get what you're all about. And uh, anybody wants to get in touch with you, how do they get in touch with you? Just by phone. You know. Are you on Facebook? I am. All right, so they can track you down on Facebook. Absolutely. And you got your, your yeah. dragster pictures on Facebook and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll borrow a few of these, and I'll send this to you when it comes out. Okay, perfect. I, I'm more of a lurker on Facebook. Yeah, not, not <laughs> too involved. I watch more. There's, there's a lot of us out there. So. All right. Well, hey, thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you very much. All right. You take care. My pleasure. Well, I hope you guys liked that interview. I sure enjoyed uh, getting to meet Brett and uh, talking to him about a lot of those techniques he has with respect to building motors, especially doing it the way he does it and uh, keeping it budget minded and still putting down some hardcore passes. So great dude. If you ever out at the races, go up, see, say hey to him. He's a, he's an easy guy to talk to. If you like this episode, you can support our podcast by going to letstalkdubs.com and picking up some merch. Give us a five-star review and we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. And if you're interested in getting some merch made for yourself, you can use who I use, which is ulogoup.com. Ulogoup. Go to their website, check it out, upload your own stuff, make your own gear and uh, have it for you, your club and whoever else. You think your car is cool enough? Well, go have a shirt made with your car. See if you can sell a few of those dudes. Go to ulogoup.com. You want to reach out to me with questions or concerns or just want to get a shot on the podcast, you can send me an email at bill at letstalkdubs.com. More podcasts coming up for you guys next week and maybe we'll do a double one over the weekend. Who knows? I could get crazy. I don't know what we'll be doing, but uh, we'll get you some, some bonus content out there. Hopefully you guys have been enjoying what you have been hearing. And if you have, make sure you go on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you subscribe, go on and leave leave a review, get a shot on the podcast, pick up some merch, get a shot on the podcast, support the people you hear about on Let's Talk Dub. So until next week, guys, later. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. Likes.